Today's episode of The Wretched Hive is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash hive. That's H-I-V-E. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to The Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Iceland Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Well, it's another big week in the uh, Star Wars universe. And, um, boy, we've got a lot of news to cover. Seems like I say that every single week. There's just so much going on. We've got Han Solo news this week. We've got Carrie Fisher news this week. Wait, we have Han Solo news this week? Yeah. Yep. Well, you see what happened was... I I didn't read the show notes. Is there something that happened, Steve? Um, just something, just some a few minor little production notes. Not a big deal. Oh, yeah. Excited. I'll I'll catch up when we get to that. Then okay. Oh, and they fired the directors. What? Yeah. yeah. Both of them. That would never happen. Well, if you haven't heard that story yet, you're in the right place to hear it. We will cover it for you, break it all down because you have found the Wretched Hive podcast for Friday, June twenty third, twenty seventeen, episode thirty nine. And uh, next week we hit the big four zero, guys, or next uh, episode. Thank God. And uh, my name is Steve Baldwin. It is my pleasure to be here with you with my co-hosts. And let me introduce them to you. Leading it off, as always, my Wookiee co-pilot, Greg Lent. This is happening at a time right now when my dogs are completely just going 100% ape shit right now. If you can't hear that. They are very excited because my wife has been on a, a little mini vacation and is arriving back at home just as we speak, and they are greeting her as only pugs can. <laughs> this is like breaking news here. Perfect timing. Perfect timing, as always. Chaos on the homestead. Chaos on the homestead. Uh, and, now back, and now back to you, Steve. Also joining us, the captain of the Millennial Falcon, Nico Rodriguez. How are we doing tonight, Steve? Doing good. Greg, Dave, Scott. Oh, oh. Not Scott. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, so sad. I just want to throw it out there. As the captain of the Millennial Falcon, I do not condone the use of fidget spinners. Mm. No? You're here. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I know for a fact you have like four of them. <laughs> I only I have one, and I'm a fidget hipster. I had it before it was cool. You did. I you don't the- have... Ruth, you were the first one that I know who had one. So you had the spinner and you had that little QB clicker thing, too. The little QB clicker thing is dope as fuck. I really enjoy my fidget cube. Mm. That thing is really cool. Um, but the fidget spinners now, they've gotten above and beyond out of control. Are any of them branded, any of the ones you have? Or are they just, like, different colors or whatever? Uh, no, the one that I have, uh, I got it on Etsy. Is This guy in Huntington Beach, actually, he, he's got a 3D printer. And he 3D prints this thing, and then he plastic dipped it, and then he put some oil bearings in it. Um, I'll see if I can't get a picture of it and put it up there, because my fidget cube and spinner are both um, 
stormtrooper themed. They're black and white. Ah, perfect. Okay, that's that's legit, man. Three D printed that stuff. That's great. Mm-hmm. I do like the little fidget spinners that are the little batarangs. I do like those. Yeah. Oh, there's so many that are out there. Yeah, they're, oh, they they're have, everywhere ah. now. They sell them at gas stations now. They have hit the Baldwin household for sure. My kids uh, are very excited to collect them. Collect them? That's yeah. a thing, they collect them? Well, Sam has like three of them or four of them. And he, he how uses much, them how much, at all. How many, how many does Dave have? How, much, how many fidgets need to be spun? He uses I, them non all all at the same time, nonstop. One with each foot, I, and one with each hand. Yeah, it's weird. I have no fidget spinners. That little monkey. Well, you make other people fidget, Dave. That's the thing. I do. I make yeah. people nervous. And talking about that, and finally, we have a barking pug. Dave, you spin me under. Right no circumstances like a record baby should you ever call him Scott Abansky and I mean ever what about that one time call him Hanky Harry Stinky Potter good morning afternoon and evening to everyone and all the ships at sea we are Four by four tonight. Uh, Mr. Ivansky is not joining us because apparently Dodgers tickets take priority over recording the podcast. Rich Stinkin' Hill. Huh. Rich I could pitch Hill. Worst pitcher in the Dodgers starting five. Wait a minute. It's not I could pitch. <laughs> it's not I Kershaw tonight. And and no, I think it, I, yeah, I think it was Rich Hill tonight. I know. I'm just giving him shit. Oh. We have Hill <laughs> we have Hill on the mound. So yeah. My my two favorite things from the internet this week are one, the image of Los Angeles City Hall with the the nineteen sixties era bat signal on it in honor of the late Adam West. That is an I that is an iconic picture for all time. Rest in peace. And Mayor two West. whoever it was on the internet who questioned why the US Senate when uh, Jeff Sessions our beloved attorney general was appearing before them why nobody questioned him to really pin him down on when exactly he joined the lollipop guild <laughs> where's, where's our rim shot at oh on. hang on got a double there hello well Scott Ivansky lifelong Star Wars fan Scott Ivansky is not going to join us tonight as mentioned he is at Chavez Ravine taking the baseball game and I'm a huge Dodger fan so I can't really blame him but you know pick a day that's not a Wednesday when we record it's dude. time for Dodger baseball so has anybody heard the uh, the new guy announcing now that the legend Ben Scully has officially retired has anybody listened to the new guy isn't the new guy the guy who was doing it when Ben was not being the announcer no he is brand new this year. He's only like 28 years old. He is super young. Jesus, he's already done more with his life than I have. This is really depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I have not heard him. When, every time I tune in, it's it's um, Rick Monday. His uh, name is uh, is Fergen Schlergendergen. Fergen hmm. Schlergendergen. Is he related to Aaron Alden? Aaron. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how Alden is feeling right about now. 
I actually feel bad for making fun of his name this week. Mm. Nervous? Why do you say that? Is there some news that maybe we should talk about? There, no, there didn't. might be some news that we should talk about. Clearly, we're all hankering to. Well, if I mean, you would like to call and let us know how you pronounce Alden, you can give us a call at 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. You can also, and Plagius is not an acceptable answer to that question. You can also find our home on the web. That'd That's be awesome, though. www.theretchedhive.net. And uh, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Wretched Hive Podcast. So there you go. So, guys, we've got some news to talk about this week. From ABC News World Headquarters, this is ABC World News Tonight. No, it's not. It's Star Wars news with the Wretched Hive. So be it. Well, Star Wars news was all over the web. All the major outlets carrying the news this week. Big news out of the Han Solo film camp. Star Wars Han Solo film loses its directors. This from HollywoodReporter.com and many other outlets. Quote, unfortunately, our vision and process weren't aligned with our partners on this project said a statement from Phil Lord and Chris Miller. They have officially parted ways and are no longer directing the Star Wars Han Solo standalone film. And uh, this kind of took everybody, myself included, by surprise. Uh, there, were not, there was nothing negative coming out of, the, out of that uh, camp at all. It seemed everybody was just thrilled with how things were going. They're a couple months into filming now with a couple weeks to go. And the directors are now off the project. So just today, as we record the show, this is uh, Wednesday, June 21st, Variety reporting, and of course my uh, web browser has decided to freeze up, but uh, Variety reporting that the two were fired after clashes with Kathleen Kennedy and Lawrence Kasdan. So not only were they, have they been released from the film, they were literally fired from being on the movie and no longer employed by Lucasfilm. And this is a Variety.com reporting let me take a look here. It says, uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller's reputation for writing irreverent poppy films such as 21 Jump Street and the Lego movie helped the white-hot writing and directing duo land one of the most coveted gigs in Hollywood, a chance to call the shots on a Star Wars film. But their chance to put their stamp on a galaxy far, far away collapsed on Tuesday with the stunning announcement that the pair would be departing the still-untitled Han Solo spin-off movie in the midst of production. It was a culture uh, a culture clash from day one, a source told Variety. She, meaning Kathleen Kennedy, didn't even like the way they folded their socks. The source said that while Lord and Miller were supposedly hired for their vision and distinctive brand of filmmaking, when it came to the Star Wars production, Kennedy did not approve of their shooting style and process of interacting with actors and crew. Quote, they weren't given the, given the leeway to do what they had to do, the source said. So, huge, huge, huge news, guys. Uh, they're not even done filming yet. 
and these guys get fired. Uh, I, I can't wait to hear your take on this. Dave, what do you think? I mean, is the film in trouble now, or is this, you know, is this something is, that we just need to roll with? Is is the film in trouble now? Is <laughs> Donald Trump president? <laughs> yeah. So this, I mean, to have your directors fired in the middle of shooting, I can't recall the last time something like that happened on such a visible studio project. I mean, maybe Superman 2, but that's, what, 35 years ago? It, 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 the clash had to be so incredibly severe that Lucasfilm had to feel like the project is in legit danger. So everybody who was in a panic over Rogue One, and we were all saying, hey, everybody calm down, this is normal, this is part of the studio process nowadays, and turned out we were right. Everybody who was in a panic over Rogue One, hey, you can feel free to you can feel free to turn it up a little bit. This is this is extremely unsettling. And even if they turn around and drop a director in, and I'm very skeptical that they're going to be able to do that, unless it's Frank Marshall, uh, it's going to take a while for that person to get up to speed. They are undoubtedly going to have to go back and do some significant reshoots to get the tone right. And I think the release date is in jeopardy. I think we're going to see some some announcements here where, where we're going to see a director announced. And then after that director has a chance to really assess what's going on and partner up uh, with, with Kennedy and the Brain Trust, we're probably going to see him have to move that release date. And that's going to be a very significant business loss for Disney and Lucasfilm. Well, Greg, right now they have not changed the release date. They're still saying May 2018. Do you think that's feasible given that they're going to have to bring in somebody new that potentially is not has not seen any of the dailies, has not read the script yet? I mean, they're talking about there's a lot of rumors out there. We'll get to those. But what do you think? Is it possible to keep the release date in May given, given the change? Um, I'm really kind of excited to talk about our own theories uh, about who's going to might be taking over for director. I know that we've all got kind of different takes and, and our own personal favorites. I think um, we started to talk about it earlier today and I, and I wanted to stop talking about it because I thought that was, it was really good show fodder, but can they make the release date for me? I, I think they can. Um, they, they, they have, you know, we've been talking for months. It's how they were only going to have this short window between uh, the Last Jedi and the Han Solo movie coming out, and then a really long window. Well, actually, this is going to be only a year. Actually, I take that back because they they're 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 sticking to May for 2019 for for um, Episode Nine, still entitled. Um, so they have the leeway to move it, but I think I still think they'll make it. They were, from what I've read, uh, filming four months into filming, four months into filming. Yeah, and. Only a few weeks left. They do have reshoots scheduled, and I don't think you know we we discussed the 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 reshoot thing to death over Rogue One, and there's so many movies that do reshoots now. I I just don't think that that's a sign that a movie is in trouble doing reshoots because everybody does them. Everybody does an initial round, they piece together something, see what they're missing, and go back and shoot that. So they'll they'll shoot some more stuff. It's just it seems so weird. I've I've never seen anything like this where they fired directors this far into the process it's it's just amazing 
Yeah, um, I've, I've, I've seen directors back out and say we don't want our name on the movie. That's where the Alan Smithy pseudonym ori- originally came from. Yeah. But just just to if I if I can do a Scott and jump in real quick, my <laughs> thought on pushing back the date, just to be clear, I agree with you, Greg. They do have reshoots built into the scheduling nowadays, but I'm basing my prediction on the idea that they think it's so bad at this point they're going to have to do even more reshoots than they've allowed for. If that's true, I don't see how they hit the date. If uh, Kennedy made a decision that they're going to pull the plug now before it gets beyond the point of you know irrevocable suckiness and they can stay within their planned window, then yes, you're right. They're going to hit their date. Sorry. Well, just I, I, you know, no, that's that's totally okay um, because we all we all we all obviously have a lot we want to say on this. Um, and what I was reading, I think it was from the Hollywood Reporter's website, is where I think I read this. Is is they didn't have a problem with the footage that they were making, and even you know there is the talk that you know that she didn't she didn't personally click with the with the the, the two guys Miller and Lord, whatever their first names are. Uh, it, it was the 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 tone, you know. And here we go again with tone. There was the talk of tone with Rogue One too, but there was the tone of the movie and really kind of making it more of a comedy and not so much of a Star Wars movie. And that I think is where, or that is what I was reading that where the problem had lied. I don't know that I think that or not. That's just what I would what I had read, and it 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 it, it really, you know, they obviously they. They take this franchise really seriously, and I thought, and I, and I, I, I guess if this is true, they were thinking that you can't have it be so, so jokey. Obviously, uh, the solo character is a very sarcastic one, but it sounds like they were taking it as al- almost to Lego Movie territory, and that's not the tone they wanted to go for. So, and and that reporting on the tone is what makes me nervous because I saw. An article, and I forget which one it is, so this is horrible pseudo-journalism right here, but it was a quote from an unnamed source, which is debatable journalism, but it (laughs) said that, you know, Han Solo is not a comedic character, he is a sarcastic and selfish character. That's an explanation for, yeah, for what the the problem with the tone was. Was that, I, I think that was somebody talking about Kasdan saying it that way, if I remember, because I read that same thing. Um, and, and, and if that's what the problem with the movie was, my that's what makes me think they're going to have to do reshoots, because if it was shot for Han Solo to be the, you know, gosh, up-and-coming, lucky, good-looking, you know, sitcom-y star guy, that's not Star Wars, that's not the character, and they're going to have to redo and tweak a lot of things. Uh, you know what I think? I think I think that can be fixed, though. I, I I think you know, depending on well, depending on how far they took it, but I think a lot of that can be fixed. Um, uh, I, I I you know reshoots they'll do reshoots. They were always going to do reshoots, but you can you can fix the tone of the movie through editing. You absolutely can. Well, what I read um, was that Lawrence Kasdan was very concerned. Because here you've got you've got Lawrence Kasdan. Remember a year ago saying this is the best script I've written for Star Wars. It wasn't and, just him saying. There was other people saying that yeah, too. It was yeah. it was a really highly regarded script. Right. So then you get these two guys coming in wanting to put their own take on it. And do you really want to do that when you've got solid gold from Lawrence Kasdan? I, I, I to me that I think is where the rub may have started with Kasdan sort of balking on like, no, 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 this is not the vision. 
stick to the script. And um, Lord Miller going, you know, you hired us to do this movie. Let us put our stamp on it. Uh, and I, I, I get the sense that that's where the conflict began. So. That and the hookers and Boyle. Well, right. of course. It goes right. with that. Usually, right. usually the source of where all conflicts begin. Usually but that helps is... our podcast run more smoothly, but in this case. Yeah. This, this is also an important lesson for anybody who's listening and is trying to work in a corporate environment. This, a Star Wars movie is not a creative endeavor, my friends. It is part of a corporate money-making machine. And if you have any doubt about how to survive in corporate America, this is my advice to you. Get a copy of the org chart for your department and your division and your company and look very closely at it and understand where your box is. Because clearly the directors did not understand where their box is. This is not them directing their movie and putting their stamp on it. That is not how it is with any Star Wars movie or Marvel movie or DC movie. These large multi-film franchises now are corporate properties And you are there to service the corporate property. And if you are uncomfortable with that, you should not take the job because it will not work. And that sounds like it's it's what happened here. You know, um, you're you're absolutely right. And, you know, we you you talked about directors being replaced. There was, of course, um, Richard Donner replaced on Superman, two after the majority of that footage was done. And, yeah, there's not really anything this far in. There, there's, there have been many examples. Uh, Patty Jenkins, who recently made Wonder Woman, was taken off the second Thor movie, but that was still fairly early in, in production. Mm-hmm. Um, the Flash movie that's coming out, the, the next DC, not the next one, but the, the part of the DC universe, the Flash movie, I think has gone through two directors so far, well, and they keep trying to re- iron that out. Ant-Man, Edgar Wright worked on Ant-Man for something like five years and right before they went into production, they were through pre-production. Right before they went into production, uh, they parted ways. So that was right yeah. before they were about to start filming that. And and, and so and it, was, it happens. But I and he was definitely fired. It was exact. It was exactly the same scenario as this. Just the timing was different. And there yeah. have been several articles. So, uh, sorry, Greg. There's been several articles I've read uh, today and yesterday about, you know, uh, the top 10 classic movies that had their directors fired halfway through and they turned out to be classics. What I want to see is the list of movies that had their director fired halfway through that absolutely bombed. And no one well, seems to those, be putting that out. The, those, those turn into the Alan Smithy films. That's what mm. those turn into. Like, like Dune, which was directed by David Lynch. Mm. Um, there are certain cuts of Dune that are Alan Smithy films because David Lynch wants nothing to do with them. Right. Um, and and whenever 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 it goes so badly, and that and I think that's typically Dave. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't that typically driven more by the director than the studio? Actually, when the director actually wants his name taken off, and then they put the Alan Smithy on there. Uh, that's driven by the director under under DGA rules, is my recollection. And specific to yeah. Superman two, uh, the gentleman who replaced Richard Donner, I, I think his name was Lester. I forget his first Richard, name. Richard yeah, Lester. Another he another actually, He actually offered to Donner to share the screen credit. And Donner watched a version of the final cut of the movie and said, no, I don't want anything to do with this. And that's what led to the existence uh, 30 or so years later on DVD of a Richard Donner cut of Superman 2, which is well worth your time to go get if you're a fan of cinema or these kind of 
lost half finished projects that are out there. And what it what it really does tell me though is that uh, Kathleen Kennedy is really in control of this franchise though. Not Disney, not anybody else. Kathleen Kennedy is the one who is really got this franchise and is steering or steering the ship of this franchise, I should say, because you know she, she's making this decision this late in the game. And she's like, no, you're not making a Star Wars film. We're taking you out right now. So don't doubt who's in charge in this franchise. Yeah, no, look at your org chart, everybody. Look at your org chart and understand it. Well, Nico, we've we've been talking uh, or chatting online today about potential replacements. There's been a lot of rumors uh, floating out there on the internet. Um, Possibly the, the, the most famous potential replacement has been Ron Howard has been mentioned. Um, what do you think? Are they, are they, if you had to bet, what would your, uh, what would your bet be in terms of a replacement? Can you pull someone in like Ron Howard at this date and, and stick him in and, and have this be successful? I mean, if they're already four months into production and we're less than a year from release date and they're still trying to shoot and figure everything out, I don't know who you can put into that seat to make it wildly successful. And I think for most people, like, for the average Joe consumer um, who's like, yeah, Star Wars is cool. Uh, You know, the people who don't listen to Star Wars podcasts and don't have, you know, the Star Wars keychains, who don't live you know, kind of their life through these movies, I don't think they care about this movie being anything. Um, I, I don't think... It, I, I, I think I had the same kind of stance about Rogue One, where, like, most people didn't know that it was um, going to be a movie. They didn't understand that it wasn't going to be episodic. And I feel kind of the same way about this Han Solo movie. I haven't heard any of my friends... Um, talk about it at all nobody cares that it's coming out in less than a year nobody's really that excited about it um that being said you know i think that they're kind of in 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 deep shit hot water here the fact that you're going to lose your directors this late into the game and you don't have a lot of um interest i think from the general population of consumers i think that the movie's fucked (laughs) (laughs) like i was trying to think of a nice way to say it but i mean that's that it's i think it's kind of fucked you're fucked it's it's bantha fodder is that what you're saying Uh bantha poodoo bantha poodoo nico nico actually brings up nico brings up a really good point which is who's one it's a rough way to commit if you're a director although there are probably a lot of directors who would relish the challenge of that, but directors are booked up typically, you know, a year or two out. Who who out there would would be a big enough name to have the K to do something like this and who's actually available? I think that's why Ron Howard is such a popular right now on the internet and one that I brought up last night, Steve, before I think it was popular online. You you can hopefully back He's not slated for anything right now. Uh, other names that come up, Joe Johnson, he's involved in pre-production on a Narnia movie, The Silver Chair. 
And I know people have talked about Lawrence Kasdan, but I'm pretty sure that DGA rules prohibit a member of the Directors Guild from replacing any director that is fired in mid-project. Yeah, I read that online as well today. I think you're correct about that. Repeat that one one more time to me. Any, if you're a member of the Directors Guild, you can't replace another member when they're fired? In mid-project, if you are already attached to the movie in some capacity. Oh, if you're already attached. Okay, there's a caveat in there. I get yeah. you. Now, I have no idea if Kasdan is still a member of the Directors Guild, because I don't think he's directed anything since Silverado. Um, he did a he did a um, a Stephen an, an adaptation of a Stephen King movie way back in the day. Well, there's a quite a bit of conjecture online, as as you uh, as you might imagine, and uh, one website slashfilm.com actually uh, posted an in an, uh, an interview with Ron Howard from a couple of years ago, and it actually suggests that he might not even be interested. In a movie like this, he says, um, he says, quote, um, he told me that he talked to Robert Zemeckis. He's uh, this is sorry. This is uh, Ron Howard speaking about George Lucas. He says he told me that he talked to Robert Zemeckis, Steven Spielberg and me uh, about directing The Phantom Menace. I was the third one he spoke to. They all said the same thing. George, you should do it. I don't think anybody wanted to to follow that act at the time. It was an honor, but it would have been too daunting. He goes on to say, there are some subtle contemporary themes in the heart of the sea, which was the movie he was promoting at the time. And it surprised me when I read it. And yet there's also this bedrock classic story. Oh, shoot. Let's see. Oh, nope. This is the quote I wanted to read. Um, I really feel like you shouldn't make a movie as a kind of exercise. You have to be all the way in. I was never a comic book guy. I love the movies when I see them, especially the origin stories. I never felt like I could be on the set at 3 o'clock in the morning tired with 10 important decisions to make and now intuitively what the story needs. For me, I'd be copycatting and not inventing. I've never said yes to one, meaning a comic book movie. So this seems to sort of suggest that, well, maybe he's not interested in this sort of film. I'm okay with that. I really don't think he's the right fit for it i don't know why it's so hot to get him or why what what makes him the front runner for this project um i think kasdan would be okay he's made some 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 good movies that he's made silverado he made body heat he um made what's the the one grand canyon way back in the day he's made some stinkers too didn't he um, do the big chill he might have done the big chill that's possible yeah I think at he least did. he at least he at least wrote it um uh, you, you know, if you're if you're gonna say if you're gonna say Ron Howard, why wouldn't you say Spielberg though too? Um, if you're gonna if you're if you're gonna throw a name out like that, just say Spielberg. Spielberg's obviously got a connection to the franchise. He was slated to, you know, the 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 rumor, and I've heard the Ron Howard and Episode One rumor before, but I've also heard as much the Steven Spielberg and Re- Return of the Jedi rumor as well. Um, well, and I think Spielberg came in and did some uncredited work on Episode Three. Oh, did he? On Revenge yeah. of the Sith? Mm-hmm. Oh. The one that I would really like to see, honestly, Joe Johnson. That guy has a history with the franchise dating back to, to New Hope. Um, he, he, you know, just go and watch The Rocketeer. Go and watch Captain America First Avenger. The guy knows how to make a good action movie. Um, the Rocketeer is a fantastic, but yeah. often forgotten, 
early superhero movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. Could not agree more. That movie is so, so, so good. Really fantastic. And in the same vein, so is first uh, Captain America First Avenger. The first Captain America movie. It's set in a similar time, set in that World War II period. Um, and yeah, both of those are just, they're so good. They're totally, totally, they're so good. Is they're that, really just... Was that Jennifer Connelly in that in that Rocketeer? Yes. yes. It was an early yeah. Jennifer Connelly movie. Oh, man. That's a pretty girl there. Yes, she is. Well, the, the name that I do kind of like as a dark horse is Frank Marshall. Solid director. Maybe not a great director, but a solid director. And that's really what you need at this point, is someone who's experienced who can come in and do this. Uh, he was a co-owner producer of Amblin Entertainment with uh, Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy back in the day. He's directed notable movies like uh, Arachnophobia. Not a huge success, but a solid movie. And most important is uh, he's available. He's more of a producer than a director. And in terms of accessibility, he's married to Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say they they they've been an item since the Raiders days, haven't they? Yeah, I think so. Now, one of the more interesting uh, ideas that's floated out there online, and and we actually jumped on it last night while we were chatting, even before we read the news today, is Kyle Newman. Kyle Newman is the director of Fanboys. Many Star Wars fans will be very familiar with his work on Fanboys. And, of course, he wrote and directed the live-action radio plays that are... Uh, have become very popular at Star Wars celebrations. Uh, in today's news, this is on eonline.com. Um, Kyle Newman jumped on Twitter and he writes, I'm available. To be honest, I'd kill it. I was born for it. And no solo inside out. I am free. As in it would cost zero dollars. I'm not shiny and new, but goddamn, I could direct the fuck out of some Star Wars. <laughs> I have my doctorate in it after all. No fear, only adrenaline. If it's Star Wars, then I'm your guy, period. I know Solo inside and out. You'd enjoy my Han Solo radio dramas recorded live at the past three domestic Star Wars celebrations. I truly feel like I'm wasting my life not working on Star Wars in some capacity. I would go supernova and blow people's minds. <laughs> I love his confidence with this. He and is, he's, he's he a great interviewer, too. He's he fired up about it. Good on him. Put me in, Coach. I'm ready. Exactly. I know, you know but uh, I'm not going to lie. This, this feels like one of those moments where the high school kid puts the online video asking, you know, Margot Robbie to be his date to prom, and everybody gets behind it and then she's like no i won't do it i just yeah. i feel like that's what's gonna happen <laughs> oh yeah it's it's it won't be him you know the name that that i th i thought about it I, I heard it i said eh, and i thought about it i go yeah but if scott was here he would totally deny it because he denied it he was quick to deny it last night but yeah. dave filoni what's yeah. what do, what do yeah. we all think about dave filoni i thought i think that's a good choice the guy they you know scott's like well he made clone wars and that movie's awful yeah it is awful but you know what he also did the rest of clone wars which you guys all like a lot and he did rebels which is really good so and and clone wars being an awful movie was all george lucas because filoni directed three individual episodes of a tv series he wasn't trying to direct a 93 minute mm -hmm. theatrical movie yeah in fairness i think filoni would be a fantastic choice Great guy, and why not? Very, very knowledgeable. About has he films. directed? 
but has he directed a big budget movie? He has not. If I'm if I'm Kennedy, this is a project in complete crisis right now, and I want an experienced hand to come in and do it. And honestly, for the Disney overlords that are looking over my shoulder on my organizational chart, the I probably need to, <laughs> I, yeah, I probably need to bring in an experienced hand to settle them down because this is this is the franchise. This I is, have an experienced hand. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, that's, just that's, the right that's one. That's not though. a directing though, Nico. <laughs> you know, I, I, I I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. I don't think she gives two shits about the, what the Disney people are saying, or else she wouldn't have fired these guys this far into production. I, I, I don't think she's worried about that at all. This Star Wars is her baby. Lucasfilm is her baby, and she gets to make the decisions. And the Disney guys just get to collect money. That's all they get to do. She'll she'll say to them, shut up and take the money I'm giving you. You know, it's funny, guys, that you bring up George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy because um, I I don't know if I I shared this in our production meeting, but we have sources deep, deep, deep in Star Wars hierarchy. So deep. So deep. And uh, we actually were able to obtain a recording of a phone call that took place earlier this week. This is exciting. Between George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy. It's a a little bit shocking. Be sure you download this episode. Don't just stream it because the Disney lawyers are going to have us take this down. So get get it on your local server is what I'm saying. Yeah, if you want to say, yeah, absolutely, that's a great idea. So here, I'm just going to play this. It's about, it's almost two minutes long. This is a Wretched Hive podcast exclusive. George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, where's the phone book? Oh, this is going to be so funny. Uh, okay, phone app. Um, Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy. Oh, here it is. Okay. I can't wait. This is going to be so funny. Kathleen Kennedy's office. With whom am I speaking? Uh, oh, <clears throat> um, oh, this is, uh, Steven Spielberg. Uh, put me through to Kathleen, please. Right away, Mr. Spielberg. Oh, man, I'm so good. Steven, how are you? I'm good. Uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm good. How, how are you? Uh, I, I'm okay. What, what's yeah, wrong? I'm a sad. It, it sounds like you're kind of down. Are, are you sad? Uh, uh. What's wrong? I had to fire Phil Lord and Christopher Miller yesterday. Yeah, I, I read about that. Um, yeah, I'm sorry to hear creative that. Creative differences, you know. No, I, I totally get it. The Lego movie sucked anyways. Listen, that's why I'm calling. Well, thanks, we're kind of busy. Yes, well, um... We're busy over here. I'd like to offer my services for Han Solo. What? Yeah, really? I, I'll direct your movie. Y- you, you would do that? Yeah, and, um, and I'll do it for free. Um, no charge, no residuals, totally on the house. Steven, that's so wonderful. You, wait, is this George? No, it's, it's, uh, it's Steven, Steven Spielberg. No, it's not. This is George Lucas. (laughs) You you totally fell for it. That was hilarious. I really hit you right now. We're in a crisis over here. I can't believe you thought I was the Berg. That was funny. I totally tricked you. You know what? Fuck you, George. Kathy. Kathy, KK, <laughs> I got her so good. Melody, bring me another Colt 45. And where's my Howard the Duck pillow? I feel like cuddling. There we go. Huh? 
George Lucas and <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy. I I had forgotten how much Kathleen Kennedy sounds like Miss Pitching him right on. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. What oh is God. it? Why doesn't Kathleen do it herself? <laughs> if she knows mm. what she wants and what the movie needs so deeply in her core, why doesn't she step up to the plate and make it happen? Put the pants on. Who's got that kind of time? Well, along that vein, though, uh, does anybody know if uh, Patty Jarris has anything lined up to follow up Wonder Woman with? Well, my thought was Gareth Edwards. Should we get- should we get should we get her on the line? Should we call her huh? right now? Sure. Dial the number. Beep, 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 beep. Hello? Beep, beep, beep. Yeah, hello? <laughs> Stop calling me, call Lance! Patty. I fucking hate you! Let's call Patty, not Piggy. <laughs> oh, sorry. Patty, not Piggy. <laughs> sorry about that. All right. Um. Wow. I'm sweating. Oh, so what was the other? What was the other choice? What was the other one? We just, oh, we just what about Gareth one. Edwards? Proven, Gareth Edwards. Proven Star Wars director Gareth Edwards. Let's bring him in. Yeah. He, you know, uh, yeah, he's, he's got experience with reshoots. He, he's got experience with changing the, thir- the third act of your movie entirely with um, like six months to go. Yeah, Gareth <laughs> Edwards. I still maintain it would be a total, total plot twist if they brought in Josh Trank to pick up the pieces on this. <laughs> that would be the best. If they can turn over whatever liquor bottle he's crawled inside of and uh, and and bust him out of that. Well, just to wrap this up, BigShinyRobot.com had an interesting take on this. This is, uh, let's see, news by Swank Motron, writing for uh, Big Shiny Robot. He's Swank Motron? Swank Motron. He's actually very, uh, he, he posts a lot on that uh podcast page that you and I frequent Dave and uh, his take is he says to be honest I'm not sure there's any cause for alarm yet he says uh, Lucasfilm has been sure to give the filmmakers every tool they need to fulfill the vision of the film that Lucasfilm wants to create these two weren't hired to create their own vision of Star Wars they were hired to bring to life the vision of Lawrence Kasdan and his son who wrote the screenplay their casting is spot on the film is mostly shot and if they all decided to amicably part ways, then this is a sign that Lucasfilm will do whatever it takes to create the best film possible, not that the film is doomed. And he writes at the end, he says, I have confidence that this is not the end of the world. I have been so on board for this movie, um, and even more so with every announcement that has come out. I love the team that they had put together. I love the cast that they had put together. Um, it seemed like everything was going so, so well. And quite frankly, this is a little bit terrifying. Um, because they're all... They're all, all... To making something really, really horrendous. Um, so, yeah. I, 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 I hope it's still as good as I... I, I was had set up in my mind previously. Um, obviously, it hadn't come out, and I hadn't seen a goddamn word of it. But I was really excited for it, and now I'm like, huh, you know, what's going to ha- happen now? I guess it all depends on who they. You know, I don't even know if it depends on who they get for the director. Because if they come in with Ron Howard, quite frankly, I'll be disappointed. I don't what you don't want Opie Ron Cunningham to direct a Star Wars movie? 
No, I don't want the guy who made all those goddamn Dan Brown books into movies making a Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Can I can I can I th- throw one out into the field for? I can see uh, it right now. Yeah, do it. Yeah, uh, a director nominee. Yeah. Um, they have one in the cast that I think would be awesome, Mr. Donald Glover. Ooh. He G- directed Glover. this. He oh. yeah, Mr. Childish Gambino himself. He directed the TV show that he started in Atlanta. Atlanta. He yeah. wrote it and directed it, and that won Golden Globes. That was you know best TV show for a musical or comedy. He's got chops. He's you know. I mean, he might not be huge name, but he knows the movie and he knows how to direct things. Does he know Star Wars well enough to step in and do that? He's in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's in the movie as a character, and so I think he studied his character. But does he know the Star Wars universe well enough to 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 direct the whole film? I don't know. I'm not sure. But I agree with you. Atlanta I'll, I'll, is brilliant. I'll close with, I'll I'll close with this since we're trying to wrap up. For all the drama that is blown up online over Colin directing episode nine, mm. and people wringing their hands about that, there is hope. These decisions can clearly be undone. So so hang in there, internet people. Continue your hand wringing and and online campaigns. You may yet have an effect. We'll get to the hand wringing in a minute. Because that that has been some serious serious drama as well. Uh, but guys, we need to honor our sponsor, Audible.com, because for you, the listeners of our podcast, the Wretched Hive podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial so you can have the opportunity to check out the service. There's over 250 Star Wars titles available, including this one, Star Wars Death Troopers, Written by Joe Schreiber and narrated by Sean Clennon. Check this out. The way it undermined every moment of life, as familiar as his own pulse. Trigger thought back to sitting in the infirmary just two weeks earlier, watching his father draw one last shaky breath and the silence afterward as the medical droids disconnected the biomonitors from the old man's ruined body and prepared to haul it away. As the last of the monitors fell silent, he'd heard that low, steady thunder of the engines, one more unnecessary reminder of where he was and where he was going. So this is a, this is a really cool book. It's sort of like Star Wars and zombies mashed up kind of fun star wars death troopers and uh, you can download star wars death troopers today for free if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash hive that's h-i-v-e audibletrial.com forward slash hive for your free audiobook all right so guys let's move on and uh before the break we were talking about some hand-wringing that was happening uh, with Episode Nine and director Colin Trevorrow. Or is it Trevorrow? I still can't get it right. Or is it a tomato-tomato thing? Plagius? Either plagueis? either neither. Okay. Let's call the whole thing off. I'm calling him 
Trevorrow. Let's go with that. Colin Trevorrow, he's had a tough couple of weeks as critics, and this is reading from, again, VanityFair.com. Critics savaged his Focus Features weepy film, The Book of Henry, which opened the L.A. Film Festival a couple of weeks ago. Stars Naomi Watts as a single mom. And Jacob Tremblay is one of her sons. Normally a few pans of a modestly budget, budgeted drama are no big deal, but Trevorrow is on deck to helm a tiny little movie in 2019 called Star Wars Episode Nine, And uh, it, it, it's sort of disconcerting when reviewers uh, pan his most recent release. Variety's Owen Gleiberman noted that the movie's muted yet still rather flamboyant terribleness uh and uh, let's see the boston globes tiber calls it mawkish and calculated hollywood reporters john defore asks after this near catastrophe can he really be trusted with the fate of the jedi and uh trevaro tweeted some praise from a viewer recently adding thank you so much you should become a film critic ideally within the next 24 hours that was the night before the film was going to open so he knew he knew going in it was not going to be reviewed well does this cause concern yes and no i i think the gentleman has proven that he is a good director you don't you know like an athlete you don't want to enter a big game on a bad streak and he had one with this film coming out, but it doesn't mean he's not a capable director. I think I, I've been more interested listening to some of the discourse uh, questioning if he's able to be a successful strong direct strong female director. Uh, you dropped out for about the last 20 seconds there, Dave. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it wasn't that interesting anyway. No, I was just saying, I, I think any kind of discussion around if a star if a mainline star wars director is capable of handling a strong fleshed out three-dimensional female lead that's a more interesting discussion and worthy discussion to have not oh the person's last movie sucked or didn't do well yep totally agree i think i think i think he's going to be fine i mean you can't really compare a star wars movie to the book of henry come on a little bit different well that's not going to stop people from trying yeah yeah that's true uh, we need to cover this this last sort of downer of a story, unfortunately. Um, we had some Carrie Fisher news to report on this week. Um, they completed her autopsy, and um, I've seemed to... We're, not, we're kind of having a tough computer night, guys. I apologize, but um, uh, here it is. So this is uh, LATimes.com reporting the LA County Coroner's Report that was released... Previously this week on Monday revealed a mixture of drugs that were in actress Carrie Fisher's system when she went into cardiac arrest on the air L.A. bound flight um, and of course later died. To uh, Fisher's toxicology, re toxicology review found evidence of cocaine, methadone, uh, ecstasy, alcohol and opiates when she was rushed to Ronald Reagan UCLA hospital on December 3rd, uh, December 23rd uh, and of course later passed away. The test results suggest that there was an exposure to heroin, but that the dose and time of exposure cannot be pinpointed. So, uh, a sad story, but you know we're we cover everything here on this show, and uh, 
we just wanted to 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 put that out there again you know carrie fisher was was one of our all-time favorites will always be one of our all-time favorites and so sad to hear this story uh that she was you know clearly using uh medications and and uh and other other sort of uh painkillers and barbiturates and it's uh it's sad it is it's uh it's clear it's recovery really is a never-ending process just like our computer problems tonight and i just can't help but feel like carrie is probably up there in heaven looking down on these news stories and the continuing discussion and just her reaction is probably guys i died get over <laughs> it it's what happens <laughs> um it's 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 super sad, actually, that that it's something that she struggled with uh, for quite some time. Uh, um, a, a good portion of her adult life, starting you know on on the Star Wars sets. I mean, it's it was no big secret that she spent a lot of the time under the influence on the Star Wars sets. Um, and we'd we'd hoped for for her recovery, um, but obviously it was something that she couldn't shake even up to the end, and that and and that really that really sucks. I mean, it really it really just sucks to see somebody struggle like that. Um, I do want to highlight what her daughter uh, Billy Lord came up and said, uh, um, and I found it here from uh, TV.com is where I found it actually, but it's 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 everywhere out there. She says, uh, "My mom battled drug addiction and mental illness her entire life. She ultimately died of it. She was purposefully open in all of her work." about the social stigmas surrounding the diseases. She talked about the shame that torments people and their families confronted by these diseases. I know my mom, she'd want her death to encourage people to be open about their struggles. Um, and that's, you know, that's what we all need to take is that, you know, whether you're, whatever you're struggling with, you know, you're, you're not alone. So there's hope for you. There's recovery for you that's out there, um, but it is it's it's a it's a never ending process. It will never go away. So, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, best best of luck to whoever's out there struggling with it, and don't give up. And there are people that care about you, and resources available to you if you need help. Absolutely. Well, well said, Greg. All right, we, we I say need... that with a glass of scotch in my hand. <laughs> 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 I, I, maybe I'll just take that out in post. <laughs> oh, leave it in. Don't you dare! <laughs> Whatever do you mean, sir? My God. <laughs> well, guys, uh, there is, believe it or not, some positive news coming out of the Star Wars universe, and um, thank God. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Were, yeah. Well, the whole the whole universe is falling apart. Guys, there's an auction. There's an auction taking place, and we need to cover this really quick. It's coming up June 26th through the 28th. Profiles in History will be holding a Hollywood auction in Calabasas, California. I mean, shoot, this is in our backyard. We could go to this. Uh, several high-end props we used could. in the making my of Star Wars. Not my backyard. My backyard is Mexico. No, oh, that's right. Too far south. You're deep in the heart of southern california uh so there are there's a lot of stuff here guys and if you go to profilesinhistory.com look at hollywood auction 89 taking place on monday june 26th at 11 a.m pacific there are there is a a really cool sort of pdf 
catalog that you can pull up and look at all these items up close. There's some good stuff here, guys. There's in a, uh, We'll get to the Star Wars stuff, but... There's uh, some amazing stuff here, Steve. You're, yeah. You are not putting enough emphasis on that. There's some amazing stuff in there. You've got a wide variety, just to start with the Star Trek stuff. I know there's some Trekkies out there. I personally love me some Star Trek as well. You got a bunch of different phasers, costumes from the original series from the 60s, all the way up through uh, the next generation. You've got a cha- a chairs from the bridge of the Enterprise. Um, chairs or the, the captain's chair? I don't remember seeing a captain's chair, but I know like they've got the ensign's chairs that uh, look like patio furniture, if you look closely. Still... Oh, good. Yeah. It's, <laughs> no. uh, you've got um, some uh, some stuff from Raiders of the Lost Ark. The angel figure from the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. Not the Ark, just the angel figure. Right. Expected to uh, to take thirty to fifty thousand dollars for that piece. Um, I'm, I'm surprised they found it in the government warehouse where it's stored. Right. It, it took a long time. That's actually what all of these products are. <laughs> they were all the other boxes that were in that warehouse. They don't know what they've got there. <laughs> uh, a- from Aliens, of course, we talked about this last week, one of my favorite series. I know you guys are into Aliens too. Bill Paxson's marine armor and helmet. His character was Hudson. Uh, got- R.I.P. Bill Paxson. Yes, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Paxson. Um Bill Paxson's Pulse Rifle, also original piece from the movie. Several facehuggers, facehugger models. Uh, you baseball fans out there, Roy Hobbs's baseball glove from The Natural. That's cool. That is cool. That is really cool. And uh, you've got a shotgun and jacket worn by Arnold Schwarzenegger in T2 Judgment Day. So, oh, and I will add, I included this in the Star Wars section, but I it really should stand alone. Dark Helmet's Helmet from Spaceballs. <laughs> Expe- I did not see you playing with your dolls, sir. They're all assholes, sir. Uh, expected to uh, fetch eight to $12,000 for that. You've also got... Worth it. You've also Worth got it. Eagle 5, the Winnebago model from Spaceballs. <laughs> Complete with the I Heart Uranus bumper sticker. Uh, Twenty to thirty thousand dollars for that model, and there's tons of other stuff too. That's just that; those are just the the sort of top line non Star Wars items that grab my attention. You know that that catalog is a couple of, a couple of hundred pages, and I you know I flip through for the specific item you're getting to. I, I not gonna i'm not gonna spoil it yet but uh, looking for that specific item but every page i turned i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god it was just amazing the stuff that they had in that auction yeah yeah uh okay so then then you get to the star wars section uh now the item that caught my eye initially only because i thought seriously about bidding on this because it's like the only thing i could potentially afford uh, it's the Darth, uh, sorry, the Death Star laser cannon, 
a piece of the the Death Star trench that was used in the film A New Hope expected to fetch between two and three thousand dollars. Uh affordable. Affo- right. We could swing that. We could all pitch in and Lisa would have to go to a couple less concerts this year. Oh, forget uh, it. That's good, not happening. Good, good, <laughs> goodbye, London. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We'd <laughs> sleep in look cardboard your, boxes. Look at, your, look at your vacation, kids. My God, <laughs> it might it might be worth it though. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> own a piece of the Death Star. Uh, also, original pencil drawings from Dan Young uh, for the iconic A New Hope poster. Those are there. Uh, so then you get to the bigger ticket items. Vader's helmet and chest plate from A New Hope. I cannot believe this is in there. The actual helmet and chest plate from A New Hope expected to fetch between forty and $60,000. I, I would go higher than that if I each. was forecasting. I'd, I'd, I'd say each. That's just insane. Yeah. Uh, then you get Luke's lightsaber from A New Hope and Empire Strikes uh, strikes back. What you get a lamp post? <laughs> and this is no. It was it wasn't it a, a grip from the like the flash old fifty style flash bulbs that they use for the grip? Yeah, uh, but oh, that, it was a light bulb. But but, yeah. but they had they had to go out to space to get it though. As they so you, when you pull this thing down from outer space, I mean it's it really takes the value. Well, and they had to pry his his uh, dead hand off of it. Cold too. Dead his hand. cold right. dead hand. Uh, and that's straight from Gary <laughs> Kurtz's collection uh expected to fetch between 150 and 200,000 for Luke's lightsaber um also really cool i would love to have some of these original blueprint drawings of the millennium falcon signed by joe johnson greg's got those greg's got on the a, same ones that i've got that were 12 on bucks t-shirt yeah, exactly. <laughs> printed on a t-shirt uh 600 to 800,000 for those what are people gonna like try to build the Millennium Falcon off of these blueprints for that much money? Like what? Yeah, they're so cool though. They're so cool. Mm. I had when I was a kid. I can't remember the name of the book exactly, but it was, it was, uh, it was. It had all the blueprints. It was a, it was a bound book. It had all the blueprints that Joe Johnston uh, drew, and I, I just they're so iconic to me. I. They not only bring me back to my childhood, but they just they just scream Star Wars, and I, I just can't believe someone actually sat and drew these things. So cool! I I just think it's so neat to have it'd be so neat to have them framed up on the wall. Uh, not gonna happen for me right now, but uh, well, those those ones are not thousands of dollars. Those ones are like hundreds of dollars, right? I mean, they're they're signed blueprints. They're not thousands. I wouldn't think they're just. Probably just hundreds. You can maybe, I'm, for... maybe I'm misquoting it. I have six, maybe six hundred to eight hundred dollars, or is it thousand dollars? No, if Luke's yeah, lightsaber. So, so yeah, Luke, I was gonna say. Yeah, go ahead. If the lightsaber is going for for two, if the lightsaber is going for two hundred k top, they're assuming this is not the, the final price. It's an auction, so it's all it's all up for bid. But they're they're assuming to get top end six hundred for blueprints. Yeah. You got a little uh, 3PO'd there, but that's okay Fake because news. because the next news. the next item up for bid is CP uh <laughs> wow. C3PO's foot 12 to 15,000 for the costume foot. Is it red? <laughs> no. 
It's gold. Uh, you've also got, let's see, the motion, uh, stop motion puppet of Luke and the Tauntaun from The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, R2, oh, that's the big one. The last one, the big prize, an R2-D2 assembled from pieces from the various films. So this is not the one used in the movie, in any of the movies, but it, it was pieces that were uh, curated from the various films, including, this is the one cool thing, the only dome made specifically for Kenny Baker used in episode four that is known to be in existence at this time. Wow. So all the other pieces are sort of culled together from other parts of R2, except for the dome, which was made specifically for Kenny Baker. And that piece is expected to bring in between one and two million dollars. So if you had a small child, you could put your child inside this R2-D2 unit. You could. If you had a... I would try and get in there. I'm a grown man and I would try and get in there. I'd put my child in it. I might... Drop the pugs off. I'd, I'd try to make a child in it. <laughs> oh. But since I'm, wow. shoot, I'm shooting blanks, though, so it probably wouldn't work. Wow. So, guys, so, so, we're, so, so, so we're, we're obviously pooling our money again, right, guys? We're pooling our money, and then we're going we're gonna to split it. I'm still looking for buyers on all of my major internal organs. Okay. If anybody's interested... You could Actually, what, are we, what are we getting? Could we bid an internal organ on it? Could we, for example, bid three kidneys? Collectively. How the, I was going to say, how the fuck do you have three kidneys, Dave? Well, <laughs> could I bid? I don't, but we have like ten kidneys between the lot of us here, so... Yeah. Could, could we bid... Could we trade C-3PO's foot for one, one of our actual feet? Could, <laughs> would that be possible? <laughs> can I have his red left arm? Can I have that? That's I, not a problem. I might just buy uh, C-3PO's foot and put it up Anthony Daniels' ass. That's what I would like to do. <laughs> oh. Always with the 3PO hate. I, I might always. Like I have issues. I have issues. Maybe. Uh, okay. Next story, guys. Did you see this picture from the Transformers movie that's due out <laughs> I did. Yeah. This yeah. is no. this is ridiculous. Comicbook.com has this picture of uh it's a still from from the yet to be released Transformers movie. The trailer is out and uh there's a picture from this trailer of what looked to be some sort of ship, some sort of fighter. And basically what it is, it is a a uh legion of Darth Vader style TIE fighters. Literally, it looks like the same exact design used in the Star Wars films. It's it's ridiculous. Well, this is Michael Bay at his most craptastic. God, Michael Bay. From any of the reviews that I've seen, and it is it is out as of today. We're, oh, okay. we're recording on the twenty first. I, I I got nothing. I have no <laughs> desire to see this movie. I don't understand why it's being made. Any any Transformers fans in the group here? I, I liked the first one. I genuinely liked the first one. I it, they've just gotten exponentially worse as we go on. Yeah, I think we can all agree that the first one was at least watchable. Um, yeah. Uh, as far as Michael Bay movies 
that it yeah. might be the best Michael Bay movie he's ever made. Uh, I'll go that. Uh, the far. first one was. I, I I have a really weird, and I'm I know I'm probably gonna be mocked for it, but I have a really weird soft spot for The Rock, the one with Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage. No, I nope. I'll yeah. I'll give you that one. All right. I yeah. I feel you. It's, on that it's a bad movie though. I totally admit it. If, if you said but, Armageddon, I would mock you for that. But The Rock, <laughs> The Rock, I'm fine with. If that movie comes on and it's like I'm stuck. It's like like Starship Troopers or Maximum Overdrive. I just I can't peel away from that movie. So. Perfectly okay, you fucking idiot. <laughs> well, another you, you, movie I know you can't peel away from, Greg, is Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a great article on BDG Media. It's actually... Fa- Go ahead, sorry. My favorite part is when Sean Connery... Yeah, my favorite part is when Sean Connery throws that guy over the rope in Episode 2. That's my favorite part. <laughs> over, or, or over the hotel thing with the rope on it. Bustle.com. Uh, the title of this article is Watching Star Wars Episode 2 Attack of the Clones as an Adult Made Me Realize It's Actually Really Gross and Weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of the article. And uh, goes on to say uh, that he realizes why. He finally realized why Attack of the Clones is the absolute worst movie ever. Uh, as a kid, I didn't find too many overall problems with the movie. Uh, he writes this. Oh, she writes. This is Amy Roberts. Uh, I mean, sure, it could feel a little bit random at times, and there were moments that didn't make a whole bunch of sense, and dialogue that I didn't, that I even I knew was laughable as a child, with no really concept of taste yet. But I, but I, but it also featured what I thought at the time to be tragically doomed love story between Padme, Amidala, Natalie Portman, and Anakin Skywalker, played by Hayden Christensen. And she goes on to quote some of the dialogue here, so I thought I would, I thought I would act it out for you, just just to just to bring us back to some episode two love. Anakin says, "Don't be afraid." Padme, I'm not afraid to die. I've been dying a little bit each day since you came back into my life. Anakin, what are you talking about? Padme, I love you. Anakin, you love me? I thought we had decided not to fall in love. That would be forced to live a lie and that it would destroy our lives. Padme, I think our lives are about to be destroyed anyway. I truly, deeply love you. And before we die, I want you to know. So if you're interested in reliving some of the greatest moments from Star Wars Episode Hold 2. Hold on, time, time out. Time, time out, time out, time out, time out. I think, I think we have a recurring segment here on now. Dramatic readings of Star Wars movies from Steve Baldwin. I think that's our next recurring segment. <laughs> recurring segment. Yeah, did that you like that? was solid gold. That was gold. Gold, sir. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anakin. From the moment I met you all those years ago, not a day has gone by when I haven't thought of you. And now that I'm with you again, I'm in agony. The closer I get to you, the worse it gets. The thought of not being with you, I can't breathe. I'm haunted by the kiss that you should have never given me. I don't like sand. My heart is beating, hoping that this kiss will not become a scar. You're my, you're in my very soul, tormenting me. It what won't. can I do? I swear it won't. I will do anything you ask. I'm here for you. <laughs> Who the fuck is that? Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined by Scotty Vansky. Thank for, you. for a dramatic, thank you very jo- much, Steve. For, I'm happy to be here. For dramatic. <laughs> 
That was dramatic reading. Joining by us for a dramatic Steve. reading is. <laughs> He's suggesting a recurring theme, a recurring segment, dramatic reading from Steve. I'm all in. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> well, need, Scott just you, walked into my garage. You need to just, I don't. I have no idea where I came from. You need. Tonight. You need to just. You need to pull pull the. Uh, you need to pull the the, the um the headphone the headphones out and just let the speakers run through your computer. Oh, let's try it. All right. It can't get any worse Wait. tonight than it already has. Oh, no. Can you put just put the MacGuffin in the doohickey? <laughs> Honestly, actually, that should be a requirement for working on any Lucasfilm movie or Marvel movie. If you are not comfortable with a third act that culminates in putting a MacGuffin into the doohickey, you are disqualified from working on this project. <laughs> I'm all for the MacGuffin. <laughs> what I just said right there. Oh my god, that's fine. You're yeah. you've had too many Dodger dogs tonight. I've only had one Dodger dog. Uh, I had a great moment tonight at the Dodger game, but we'll talk about that later. It was brilliant. All right. Thank you, thank you, number 66 tonight. 66? What, did you catch a home run ball? Almost twice. Uh, did you kill some Jedi? Yes, all the did, time. Did you kill some Jedi? I do that all the time. <laughs> I'm going to grab a chair. Execute guys. order number 66 right there in the ballpark. I never even thought of that. Oh, my God. Execute outfielder 66. Yes, yes. It's the very lonely Luke tweet of the week. Red 5 standing by. Because if there's something to whine about, you can count on Luke. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Even though he's now an old man. No! It just isn't fair. Greg, what do you got for us this week? Good Lord, I have to Skype this whole out five more minutes so we can close that show because it sounds like it's going downhill so what we got this week is not very lonely luke we're back with dad joe consolo so to a such a shit last time but only one joke this week so it's going to be a quick one guys you know i don't know if you if any of you hockey followers the hockey awards the mvp so Connor mcdick is the greatest hockey player in the world today yada 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 they're new they're a lot of nights they got a bunch of scrubs from my team, so now there's a new hockey that's going to be playing next year. But Dad Joe Consolo came in with some good stuff today in celebration of hockey's awards and the brand new Las Vegas Golden Knights. So it says Canada worships hockey and avoids conflict. Do you know why? Why? Thank you. That's because hockey religions are no match for a good blaster. <laughs> well done. Well done. I there's actually my there's my snappy rim rim shot there. Come oh, on. sorry. Shoot. There. Here we go. There you go. There you go. That makes it funnier. You gotta, you gotta fix that in post. It does. It makes it funnier. So I I actually had a <laughs> I actually had a very lonely Luke this week. Um, uh, let's see. Very lonely Luke. He says uh, R two is on the island now. I asked if he was mad at me that I left him behind. Then I learned something new. His extender arm has a middle finger. There you go. Wow. Wow. Hockey religions. Hockey religions. Oh. These are the jokes, people. You came in the end. So, Scott. Best choice for a Tom Solo movie, correct? 
Wait, That's we, a we, bunch we, of felony baloney. So we talked a lot about the Han Solo movie. Who do you think is is uh, would be who's your replacement for the Han Solo film? Guys, you know who my my I'm thinking the best choice is here. It's George Lucas. Come on. Lu- we had a secret recording between George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy. You missed it. I did miss. I'm gonna listen to the show later on. Listen back. Yep. Well, if you have any secret recordings of George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call. 562-455-4483. That's 562-455-HIVE. I always screw it up at the end. I thought you said HOT. Wow, are we H-O-T-T? We did not change our phone number to HOT. No, it's HIVE. (laughs) Find us on the web, www.thewretchedhive.net. And on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash wretched hive podcast you can also email us wretched hive at yahoo.com find us on twitter that's at wretch hive pod and maybe the best way to find us and to find the show is to download us download the show through itunes go to your uh, go to your computer there your phone open up your itunes search for podcast type our name in the wretched hive podcast will be the first one on your list subscribe to the show leave a review five stars one star any star we don't care we just want to connect with you the fans of the wretched hive podcast and uh thank you so much for joining us for episode 39 is in the books scott do you have any final thoughts not really <laughs> no, no. I, it, what a great night! What a great night! I can't wait to uh, catch up with you guys. Sorry, I had to miss the show, but it was fun. Uh, it sounded like you guys had some hiccups, but you know, it, it happens. Typical show with hiccups. That's a show a, without hiccups is not really a show at all. It's not us, guys. Any final thoughts? Quick. <laughs> I'm directing the whole solo movie. I'm Batman. <laughs> Have a great week, people. May the Force be with us all. We are rolling, and uh, this is a postscript episode of uh, the Wretched Hive podcast for uh, episode 39. Bonus material here, because the night we recorded, well, the morning after we recorded the show, it was announced by Lucasfilm, Ron Howard is assuming directorial duties on the untitled Han Solo film, reading from StarWars.com. Lucasfilm Called is, it. Yep. Lucasfilm is pleased to announce that Academy Award-winning filmmaker Ron Howard has been named director of the untitled Han Solo film. Quote, At Lucasfilm, we believe the highest goal of each film is to delight, carrying forward the spirit of the saga that George Lucas began 40 years ago, said Kathleen Kennedy, president of Lucasfilm. With that in mind, we're thrilled to announce that Ron Howard will step in to direct the untitled Han Solo film. We have a wonderful script, an incredible cast and crew, and the absolute commitment to make a great movie. Filming will resume the 10th of July. So I don't want to take credit for this. I don't want the Wretched Hive to take credit for this, uh, but um, I think somebody must have been listening while we were recording last night, and uh, they made a they, they made this decision. I cannot wait to talk about it with you guys, and I'm going to start with Scott here. Um, Scott, what was, when you heard it was Ron Howard, uh, what was your first reaction, just gut reaction, raw reaction without thinking about it? 
I'm I'm not that happy about it. Um, I, I've got a ton of things that I got to talk about because I wasn't part of the uh, recording process last night. So I'm catching up with you guys. Who called it last night? Was it Dave? Yes, sir. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. My initial thought is, look, I like Ron Howard, but my initial, I see you guys sent out the post this morning. I believe it was somebody, Steve, maybe. I, anyway, I like his stuff, but I have too much of an understanding that Ron Howard is connected to Star Wars and Lucasfilm, obviously from Willow, and probably all the other friends in his little business and a little circle and whatnot. But that's Willow. It was an American Graffiti. And also. a little movie called American Graffiti, yeah. Yeah, well, whatever. We, we try to forget that one, right? That was the okay. that, the real bad one. And, and he, American Graffiti? <laughs> I'm yeah, just the, messing. Come on, the, guys. Uh, okay. The often overlooked worst Star Wars prequel is American <laughs> Graffiti. <laughs> well, in all seriousness, and, and, I, I think we can all agree and, and, that. And he, and, and he was in, in the, supro- the supposed you know rumor to to take over episode one right right but okay. i think so just, go ahead steve just, no that's okay really but quick, another just, thing check, then... god damn it <laughs> i think it's been really well documented that american graffiti allowed lucasfilm to make star wars to to give him some money in the bank to give him some gravitas as a direct as a young director uh, and allowed really open the door for him to be able to make Star Wars, so I, I I don't think you can discount American Graffiti. I know you're only kidding, Scott, but you I really am. have to count that as an important piece of Star Wars history. No, I'm just kidding because I completely uh, I'm covering the lack and the failure of my own uh, pop culture mind and reference right there. I totally forgot about American Graffiti yeah. and Ron Howard, but honestly, I thought the biggest connection besides that would be Willow because he directed Willow, written by George Lucas, produced by George Lucas, I believe, right? Also. Believe so, uh, yes. yes. There's a lot yeah, of George it, Lucas on that film. That's all. And, I and 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 to be to be fair, it's a lot closer to the fantasy style epic than American Graffiti. So, you know, <laughs> if you're if you're gonna, if you're going to equate something to Star Wars, it would be closer to Willow than it would be American Graffiti. Yeah, well, no okay, doubt. No uh, doubt. yes, you're right, Greg. And and the reason why I also pulled this up is after the article was sent out this morning, the first movie they mentioned on StarWars.com on his film resume is Willow. So obviously, that connection, Lucasfilm wants that up there first. Um, why do I feel that way? Look, again, I love Ron Howard's movies. There's He does some really fun movies, and he does some really good, uh, serious, dramatic films. But I don't know. Something about this is, okay, there's a lot of background to why I'm feeling this way. One is they've shot like 90% of this film already, February to June, people. That's a yeah. lot of movie. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're believing what's being written out there, it's they were about three weeks away from finishing principal photography. Reshoots were always on the schedule. Reshoots were always going to happen. But the first round of principal photography was due to finish so, in the next three weeks. Right. So if, and, I could, if I could jump in real quick to yeah, help with, with your point, Scott. Yeah. But this is where it does get interesting because crediting – if to get a director credit on a DGA sanctioned film, which is what this is, sure. My understanding is you have to, as the director, have overseen over half the production of the film. Right. So, so you're looking they're fifty-one percent of that movie. Go ahead. Yeah, please, if they're sir. twenty-two weeks in and there's three, four weeks left, they're going to have to do more than just those scheduled four weeks of reshoots in order to get Ron Howard the directing credit. And the yeah. way they announced it was that Ron Howard's the director, not that he's brought into supervise or finish it up i just so wanted to carrying sorry, off of that that thought process dave i'm going to pull this out on there when we all heard about the reshoots and the the trouble on rogue one 
originally it was kind of deceptive on our parts as the fans. And when we found out later how much was actually reshot, the worry wasn't as much when we started to realize how the changes were, uh, you know, uh, altering the, the, the story of the movie. But this, what troubles me about this movie is if Ron Howard is going to be credited as the director of this film, like you were just mentioning, Dave, that's a huge portion of this movie that is being reshot. So hmm. prior to reshoots. So how would that work? Can they give a co-director credit? Like, um, give, no. Give, no, they can't? No, actually, under Director Guild rules, I've been trying to do some reading on this in my, you know, non-copious spare time. But actually, situations like, uh, like the, you know, uh, Lord and Miller sharing director credit, that's actually an exception. You have to go to the guild and say, we want an exception, and here's why. So that, the Wachowski brothers that did the Matrix movies, uh, the guys who did uh, the two Captain America sequels and are doing the next two Avengers movies, they share directing credit, and that is an aberration that is something that the guild does not normally allow so let me jump in on this one because i've got a couple uh thoughts on this uh one thing is is because of the percentage of the film that's been filmed already uh typically if the directors and the producers or the the production company split ways and they don't want the director's names on it they will go with a very generic name uh in the industry alan smithy film um i don't think they would do that obviously it's lucasfilm and they're going to get somebody they want and they're going to somehow work that angle but um oh my god i just lost my other I well that's two. okay let me jump to nico really well, quick nico i was going to say just to build on scott's saying the other option they have sorry nico is they could just pay whatever the fucking fine is excuse me but that's what lucas wound up doing on empire strikes back because uh the rules are supposed to be that the director is sh- is credited at the front of the movie not the back and he, he started that with Star Wars. The Director's Guild didn't care because they thought no one would ever see the movie. Gets to Empire Strikes Back. He wants to continue the pattern he's used. The DGA says, no, we you know we know people are going to see this movie. Kirshner needs to be credited up front. Lucas does it anyway, and he paid a million-dollar fine as a result of it, which was a lot of money out of pocket in 1980. Yeah. So yeah. they do wanted, have the option of that. Anyway, sorry. Didn't no, that's okay. I wanted to jump to Nico because, you know— it, it, for my money, I, I I don't understand the DGA rules, and I, I I could really care less. What I want, what I care about, is having a good Star Wars movie. And Nico, we I threw this out to you yesterday. Can somebody come in and save this movie with this much principal photography having been done? Um, what do you now that we know the director? You you know this guy's film credits. Actually, we talked a little bit about. Uh, last night and earlier in this podcast, why we why uh, why Ron Howard might not want to take this movie based on his comments from a couple of years ago. What do you think now about this choice? Can Ron Howard come in and do the job? Well, I mean, so like we that that interview that he gave a couple years ago, mind you, I think we took it a little out of context. He's talking about superhero movies, like the the marvel movies the comic book superhero he didn't say necessarily science fiction like or fantasy or anything like we were talking about he did the willow movie right so i don't think he would have been against doing a star wars movie i don't know why people are taking that kind of context from that interview but more importantly i think that if Anybody can do it. The guy who created Scientology is going to be a solid choice for finishing up the Star Wars movies. <laughs> uh, I think you're wow. thinking of Ron Hubbard. 
L. Ron Hubbard. Ron oh. Hubbard. <laughs> Shit. So <My> close. <laughs> that just that just ruins my whole argument there. God damn it. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so God. strong. That is strong. <laughs> Love well, uh, you, you have you haven't asked my opinion, but I'm going to give it anyway, guys. Well, Greg, um, what's your opinion? Um, I'm I'm on uh, Team Scott on this one. I don't think that Ron Howard's a, a good choice. I would have I would have much rather have seen uh, Joe Johnson myself. Um, I know Scott wanted George Lucas, but I think I think Johnson's got a proven re- proven track record of this kind of movie. And uh, while Howard Ron Howard may be a safe bet, I think he gets it. I think he'll make it. I think I still think it's going to be a good movie, um, you know. And he's got experience with the action with all of the Dan Brown movies he's made, and and Apollo Thirteen's a very action heavy movie. Lots of tension in that. Um, he's a quality quality filmmaker. Um, I just I I would have I, I I like the the feeling of this movie coming out of Joe Johnson more than I do. Um, Ron Howard. I think he's a safe. I think Ron Howard's a safe choice, and I think I think there's still there still could have been some risk with uh with Joe Johnson. Well, j- just to counterpoint you really quick, I I've got the his IMDb page pulled up here, and so you know this, looking at his at his IMDb credits for director, uh, this guy knows how to develop characters. I mean, early on, I'm just going to run down. There's only about 35 movies. Grand Theft Auto. I don't know what that is. I think he was the star uh, in that movie. That's he it. was. That's a that's a great seventies car is. chase movie. Okay, I'm really, to, really good. Now Roger, I'm gonna have to watch it. I've never seen it. Roger Corman, man. Night yeah, Shift, really good. Night Shift, Splash. Night Shift is fantastic. A great, great, raunchy old school eighties comedy. Yep. Right. Cocoon with Michael Keaton. We well, let's uh, Splash. Of course. Do not emphasize mm-hmm. Cocoon. Please, let's, cocoon. Just, let's move on. I like that movie. What's your problem with Cocoon? Stop it. It's old people having sex in a pool. That's why it's Stop funny. Stop it. No. Those, no. It's character. Character. We you, won't, you we won't are ever re- get sick, and we won't ever die. You are repulsed by it because you cared about those characters, and then they're doing it you in know the what? pool. The only Wilford Brimley I ever have to see is in The Firm. Okay, that's a great movie. Because all I want to hear Wilford Wilford Brimley say is, "What do I look like, the fucking what Night Watchman?" That's (laughs) come on, Cocoon, Gung Ho, Willow. Okay, we talked about Willow, Parenthood, little Steve Martin for you, Backdraft. That's a good movie. Great movie, Far and Away. Terrible accent by Tom Cruise, but very underrated movie, by the way. I love that movie. I'm a huge fan of Far and Away. Shot in 65 millimeter, just beautiful to look at. Yeah, it is. The paper. The paper is a really good movie about a uh, tabloid <laughs> newspaper in New York. Bullshit. Uh, Whatever. Okay, and then we get <laughs> then we get to the heavy hitters. Apollo 13. Good. Ransom. Mel Gibson. Ed TV. <laughs> Give me back my son. <laughs> Ed TV is another very underrated movie. I'll agree with that. That's a good movie. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh, good God. That disqualifies him right there. A Beautiful Mind, which I think he won. Did he win for that? I know it won four he awards, but is, he, won, is either that, he won director. Okay. It was either that or Frost Nixon. But The Missing. Yeah. The Missing. Mm-hmm. Cinderella Man. Da Vinci Code. Great book. Average movie. Frost Nixon, which was uh, just a wonderful character That's story. Fantastic. Great, movie. great, great movie. Yeah. Angels and Demons. Mm. Did not see it. The Dilemma, Rush. Rush is a lot of fun. Greg, we talked earlier tonight. You said you saw that and liked it. Yeah, it was decent. 
Yeah. In the Heart of the Sea. Didn't see that one. I didn't either. Yeah. That also had uh, Chris Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth in it. Oh, Another that's movie, right. movie with Thor. It's a, it's a Moby Dick story, so. Okay. Uh, Inferno. Yeah, Sorry, let me just run this down. The Girl Before, and then, uh, well, The Girl Before is announced um, Seven Nevis, and then the entitled um, solo anthology film. So, I mean, he's got an impressive track record. This guy knows how to direct a film. By all accounts, he's a super nice, collaborative, sort of um, bring everybody together, let's make a film as a family kind of a director. And I think it's just what this set needs, and I think he's going to crush it. Man, here's where I'm going to totally disagree with you, and I'm going to get a lot of blowback from everybody on this podcast. But here's my problem. That's what she said. Yep. Here is my problem with Ron Howard. Ron Howard is the Foo Fighters of directors. And I'm going to say this, and I'm not trying to get you guys riled up or anything, but as much as we all love the Foo Fighters, they are a milk toast band. They are a straight-down-the-line rock-and-roll band that's constantly just giving you really average to sometimes really good albums, and that's about it. Same thing with Ron Howard. He's got a bunch of just... He's the safe guy. Foo Fighters are the safe band. So We're going to need a bigger podcast. Oh, yeah. He's a nice guy to date. I'm sorry. So you're calling out the Foo Fighters. I am. You're, you're seriously calling out the Foo Fighters. I am. I love Dave Grohl. He's a great guy. He's a wonder. In fact, he's he's done more for rock and roll. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But you're gonna. Can, can you argue with me? Can you say that they're a great band? They're just one of those awesome bands that they kick ass no matter what. No, they're just they put out hits after hits, and that's great, and we all enjoy it. But it's Ron House. Yeah. How that? How that dare they? Like those total slackasses putting out hit after hit after hit. Well, I'm not uh, criticizing them for that. I'm saying that's nice, but they're safe. Come on. Uh, I, I Scott. You can disagree with me, Greg. It's fine. Wow. I'm I can't believe this is coming out of your pie hole right now. It pause, is. You're pause, seriously pause, draw, You're pause. seriously throwing shade on the Foo Fighters. Not pause, shade. pause the music. You pause the music gotta... for just a second. Pause the music. Pause it. Oh, pause sorry. It. Sorry. That's okay. I agree with Scott. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. See, wait. Thank. Wow. I want to argue with you, Greg, but how do I do that? <laughs> you, should not, you should not agree with me. Uh, no, um, I'm... I'm not throwing Listen, shade just on because him. something's okay. good does not okay. make it milk toast. Yeah, it does. I yeah, I, I think I think Scott's <laughs> going a bit far by calling them milk toast. Um, but he is totally right and the band is is super consistent. They've put out the same album basically for twenty years. Yeah. I fortunately enjoy that kind of music, so I've enjoyed every album for twenty years. Again, no shade. Um, I enjoy them as well. Okay. Yeah. But but you you go you go see them in concert. They're a really good concert, um, but it's the same. It's it's you know they they play the hits. The best part about a Foo Fighters concert is when they do cover songs. What does that say about their music? When the stuff you're looking forward to and the stuff that you remember are the songs that they covered. When you saw them in concert. Right, right. And again, not throwing shade, and I'm not being critical of them. They're not edgy. They're not that like okay. Look at Dave and, Grohl. And, Dave Grohl, but they was, don't. But they don't need to be. They don't need to be. That's the no. Thing. Again, right. But Dave Grohl, if and most people will know him from Foo Fighters, but we all know Dave Grohl came from Nirvana. What's the better band? 
Nirvana. There's no second answer to that. You cannot say Foo Fighters is a better band than Nirvana. You will be thrown out of whatever room you're in. That is say a, that Foo Fighters have more songs than Nirvana. You can say you that. Say who had more hits? <laughs> who had more hits? Who sold more albums? But that's the same thing with, like, say, Ron Howard. Ron Howard doesn't mean Ron Howard's a bad person. He's just middle of the road, constantly delivers, except for Cocoon. And uh, <laughs> sorry. All right. Well, so let me. Well, let me. Let, 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 yeah, let me. Go ahead. Let me try, to, try to jump in with a, with a counterpoint to that. To Why try do you to hate acknowledge... Cocoon so bad? That's what I want to know. Screw right, the Foo Fighters. I agree with you. Why do you hate Cocoon so bad? <laughs> it's a creepy movie, guys. That's <laughs> right. It's got Steve Gutenberg in it. Come on, the goose. <laughs> Don't. We will. We will discuss Scott's personal problems another time. There's only one Gutenberg film out there. That's all. Three, three men and a baby. That one, not creepy. Cocoon, Police. creepy. But that's a whole different conversation. No, no. How can it be anything other than Police Academy? Three, right, right. Three, three men and a baby is a creepy fucking film, Dave. What are you talking about? It begins about? and ends with Police Academy. Dave, next. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Well, but let me try to, to jump on Scott's Woo. Scott's milk toast point here. Real Please. quick, which jump is on. Jump on to get it, it kind of that actually kind of dovetails into something that I was saying the other night, which is look at your org chart when you're working on this. These directors are not hired to bring in their own vision. They are not hired to be edgy. You know, Kathleen Kennedy is not going to bring in David Lynch to direct a Star Wars movie because, yes, he has his own distinct style. And that's horrible for what as a corporate product they need to do right now. But right. you know you want so, to see a Lynch Star Wars film after that. No, honestly, honestly, I don't. I don't want to see a Lynch Star Wars movie. I'm happy with the Twin Peaks revival. That's that's all I need. Fair enough. But let's say you're right and Ron Howard is milk toast. I don't personally agree with you, but let's say you're right. That's kind. That's where Star Wars is going now. It has a distinct flavor and feel that they need to go for, a, a house salad style, if you will, and they need to keep hitting those marks. And if they get too far outside of those foul lines, it's not a Star Wars movie, and it's not going to be a success. Okay. See what I did there? I tried to tack into it. To di- I tried to agree with you to disprove your point. See what I did there? No, I see what you did. I do. I, I don't know. Okay, I'll give you the Lynch, not seen a Lynch Star Wars film, but you have to at least want to see a Fincher Star Wars film. I mean, my God, man. How dark and awesome see, would that be? I it, I don't know if it would be – if it was Fincher doing like a bounty hunter movie, then yes, maybe. But you, ha- but I'm just saying you have to be careful about what you're doing and what you're getting. So maybe a Lord and Miller Star Wars movie could have worked, but maybe Han Solo just winds up being the wrong thing because they are these kind of set improv comedy writers, and that's not the Han Solo character. Okay, okay. let me just pause you right there. If you want edgy Star Wars, mm-hmm. you should call KK and have her rehire Lord and Miller. That's of- what you were going to get. Which when they wa- when they went back and watched the raw cut, they were comparing it to Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. That's what I was going for. So Let's if go. that's what you want out of your Star Wars, Scotty Vansky, then then make her hire them back. You love Star Wars because it feels like Star Wars. You do not want quote edgy Star Wars. You do not want Fincher Star Wars. You do not want Lord and Miller Star Wars. You want Star Wars, and that is what this director is going to be able to deliver. No, <laughs> we hope. Here's we, what here's we what, hope. 
There's a hundred things to tackle right there. Uh, I was going to bring up the Lord Miller thing because uh, the problem is that's that's not edgy. That's not edgy, and that's what they should have known going in this. I actually wanted to have a, a, a sit-down discussion with you guys about this because I had a real problem with those guys. I think they're a great... Actually, I liked that they hired them. But in the back of my mind, there always sat this weird feeling of if you know who they are, based, based off of the films that they've made, you know that their personality, their directing style, was not going to be 100% on board with Lucasfilm. That was something sitting in the back of my mind waiting to see if it happened. But hope, but hoping at the same time it didn't happen and they did fall into line and give a little bit of their edge to the movie, to the movie based off of what Kennedy and Lucasfilm want. Now, the problem was is when that article came out, the comparison, I think Greg sent that article out, the comparison to Ace Ventura almost made me threw up in my mouth like it was horrible it was a horrible feeling of like that's not where that character needs to go if that's really what again it's all he said she said stuff according to that article was it the directors doing it was it um what's his name Alden and who apparently raised the first concern about these guys because it was the the character. His character was veering so far from what he thought Han Solo should be, as a result of their direction, that he raised a flag with Kathy Kennedy, saying, "We need to take a look at this. Yeah, is this your vision for the film?" I'm I'm gonna give a lot of credit there. What's his name? Aaron Reich. Alden Aaron Reich. Aaron Reich. Mm-hmm. Okay. Listen, Alden, wherever you are, I give you a lot of props. That's a lot of that's a lot of ball sack right that there. That takes some fucking courage to do that yeah. in the middle of filming saying, I don't know if these guys are right for the movie. Middle, man, it starts towards the end. Yeah, yeah. But to go up to Kathleen Kennedy and at least give her the warning, like, hey, you know what? Something doesn't feel right because he knows what the character is and knows how he's trying to you know portray this character and having to go against the directors themselves, that's a tough call right there. And then it wasn't, according to the articles, it wasn't until she actually reviewed full footage of the film, the the finished product, that she made that call. And so. Scott, I I thought that was a real interesting bit of reporting, if if this is true, because obviously all the stuff is from you know unnamed sources or whatever, and who knows how accurate it is. But that really stuck out to me in that article that. If you just, you know, people had just seen individual scenes and thought, oh my God, it's brilliant, or, or this is a really interesting take on it. It was only when they strung everything together, which yeah. implies, by the way, that they've shot, you know, the vast majority of the movie. Again, yes. And they, and they looked at it and said, wait a minute, this is, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't totally work. These things that we're looking at are not just little breaks or asides. It's the actual core through line of the movie. And that's the problem. That was a very interesting bit of analysis on how we got to where we were. And according to that report, and I think it's going back to that same article, he was hired on, or I'm sorry, they were hired on based off of, I think, Kasdan, right? Kasdan was the one who said, yeah. I think these guys would be really good for this. I think they would fall into line. They would do what the script is telling them to do. And it, I think all those those warning signs started to pop up, and Alden gets a lot of credit for saying, this doesn't feel like it fits the character, and that and is important the, to me. And the thing of it is, to me, from their their kind of short but successful resume that they have, their their movies are all fantastic 
bits of character direction and exploration and growth. Yes. And that is something that you really want from a Star Wars movie and this Star Wars movie in particular. So the choice for them originally made perfect sense to me because that's something they definitely have a forte at. Clearly, they just weren't able to make their style and their overall vision work within the confines of what a Star Wars product is. Well, it makes me wonder, as they're doing this, as they're uh, in production, as they're filming everything, what point did the, the, these two guys look at each other and say, you know, it would be really great is if we just start making Han Solo, you know, make, it, make him talk out of his ass, you know, something like that. I mean, that's an extreme, <laughs> you know, Ace Ventura reference, but it's like, if they are making that call, how goofy of a character were they making Han Solo? That. You know, he does talk to a Wookiee. It's kind of like talking to a pet. I mean, I can understand where they're going with it. A hairy turd. Um, it's it's. I think it's born out of the improv process. You know, these guys. It's it's it was talked about how their style is. They like to go out there and they like to try different things. And so you have the script and you look at the script. And you go okay, and then he reads it and you go okay. Well, what about you try it this way? And what about you try it this way? And it just it keeps evolving. And while some people make that work, and it, and you can create and have you can't create interesting things and interesting ideas are born out of that out of that freedom um if ultimately what they're trying to produce there doesn't match what the producers and kathy kennedy specifically in this case is trying to realize then you've got to you've got to kind of rein that back in and, and get back on track there was they wanted to just take it you know, each shot that they thought was the best. Oh, this is the best take out of this one, and it was kind of it sounds like it was what made them laugh. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's too bad. By the way, I want to go back to the Nirvana versus Foo Fighters thing because if <laughs> listen to this, this is pissing me off. No. I'm going to argue that Foo Fighters is <laughs> just a, is an equal no. to Nirvana. The only reason you, know, you feel you are absolutely incorrect. Sir. The <laughs> only reason you guys feel. I'm a huge fan of both these bands. The only reason you feel that Nirvana is better is that the singer blew his head off three albums into their career. If listen, if if Dave Grohl, if Dave Grohl had committed suicide after uh, the color and the shape, I can't believe in 1997, you might be saying this. Oh, they were so great. You guys better jump in on this because I, I'm sitting I'm, right next to him. I can't even do Just don't blame <laughs> the Foo Fighters because they've been around for 18 years. That's what I'm saying. All That's what you're all, doing. No, I'm not. Shit yes, just you got are. really, really real. I've never seen really, 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 this really fired weird. up about anything. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is, I'm a little nervous, guys. I'm sitting right next <laughs> right. to him. What do I do? Uh, I've no, got wow. a bunch of tools on the wall right there. <laughs> all right. My, my, don't that's bring up Golden Hatred. My true detective hatred is saying, whoa, slow down there, buddy. <laughs> Steve All right. This is getting us on the phone right now saying, Steve, take it easy. Man. <laughs> take it easy. I'm fine. I'm cool. I'm cool. Uh, well, guys, this was fun. Um, I So really quick, I want to wrap this up. Um, Nico, is this a good Yo. move or a bad move? Uh, Lucasfilm's part, hiring Ron Howard, good or bad? Well, I mean, if they were turning it into Han Solo Jump Street, um, I'm pretty <laughs> stoked for anything else. So you're saying bad move? No, I'm saying it's it's a good move. If 
if if the duo solo bad street movie or yeah he wants to jump street i mean yeah i don't want to see the the han solo lego movie well that's not what i'm asking you i'm asking you is this a good move on the part of Lucasfilm or a bad move for for hiring Ron Howard? For hiring, no, that's what I'm for the well, hire. Uh, sure, sure. I'm, Nico, I'm, I'm t- right I'm there saying, with you, buddy. I'm yeah, right like, there with any, you. Anything, <laughs> anything else than what they started with is a good move. All right, you okay. guys are making me do this. It's a little <laughs> game you like to call Star Wars choices. Think of a hard choice you'll face in the near future. It's true. Okay, would you rather be intimate with a Wookiee? Choose wisely. Or be intimate with Ula, but Jabba gets to watch? I just assume he's a Wookiee. Why do I have to choose? Okay, let me explain how this works, Nico. You get two choices. Is hiring Ron Howard a good move or a bad move? Good or bad? I like I like turtles. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. You think about your answer. I'm you, coming back to you. Dave, good move or bad move here? Uh, good move. I think making this into, you know, Cloudy with a chance of Han shot first. They had to make a change. Ron Howard is an established. He has solid credentials on special effects, action, and working on character development. And Joe Johnson is busy doing uh, pre-production work for the Chronicles of Narnia, the Silver Chair. All right, so we got one good. Scott, what say you? Okay, after all the arguing I went through, and I know I said that I have a problem with Ron Howard, I think for what they need him for, he'll do fine. But if they're going to give him credit, which means he's going to reshoot 40% of that film, it better be damn good. So answer the question, is this a good move or a bad move? Nirvana. (laughs) (laughs) So what I'm hearing you and Nico say... What I'm hearing you and Nico say is that you're not committed. I, Uncommitted. I'm I Okay, I'll go out on a limb because Ron Howard consistently a good director. Okay. A milk toast down the road good director, but I think he'll do fine for what they need. Now, if more information comes out about this, we need to have a second choices. Because okay. I want to, I want that to be revisited. But you're thrown in as good. I you're supporting say, I it. I will say it. All I right. don't think Ron Howard's going to mess up this film. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Uh, uh, um, Scott, we're going to have to revisit the definition of milk toast with you because I, I, you know, to to not to get all Princess Bride in, on you, but I don't think it means what you think it means. So. Okay, that's <laughs> fine. That's fine. I'm okay with it. Are you are you disagreeing with me on that answer, Greg? Greg, good, uh, good I, move I or bad move? I disagree with your with your definition of milk toast. Um, uh, I I also agree, good move, but it, it really has nothing to do with um, Ron Howard. It has and it has everything to do with Kathleen Kennedy realizing that she wants to see the franchise go in a certain direction, trying to get the directors to steer it back in that direction, and when they wouldn't, um, and they have the power to do so. She said, "Then we've got to part ways, guys. Then you know we're gonna make we're gonna make the Star Wars movies that that they feel the fans deserve." And I think she's got a handle on what the fans want because her track record right now is a hundred percent. She's batting a thousand. So I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Kathleen. And I think it's a good move. All right. Okay, Nico. Good well, move or I, bad move here by Kathleen. All Kennedy. right. So what I'm hearing, and I think the word. Um... Scott, that you were trying to find is vanilla. Oh, um, yeah, maybe that's what I was going with. I'm so sorry. 
Yeah. Um, no, I think so. Yeah. He's he's got a consistent track record. He makes mediocre to not bad movies um, with some good ones peppered in, and maybe a great here or there. Um, that being said, he's coming in to do damage control on this movie that's been completely rolled through the gutter, dragged through the gutter, um, trying to salvage it and recreate it basically in the next, you know, less than a year from ground zero. Um, the thing that, that kind of sucks is if he is so vanilla of a director of a human being, um, that we're going to get a not terrible Han Solo movie. Mm. That being said, like I don't think it'll be bad, but that being said, with all the hype and how much passion there is, I mean, Steve, you and Greg both cosplay as Han Solo when we went to the the Scum and Villainy Cantina. Like, There's a lot of people out there who love Han Solo. There's the reason he's getting the first Solo anthology movie. He is an awesome character. People love him. People know the character. And if 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 Elrond's coming in and making a not terrible movie, <laughs> it's gonna be terrible because of the the anticipation and and the 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 expectation from the fans for what this movie should or could be, and for them to put out a, a three and a half to four star movie is gonna be failure in the fans' eyes. I think. Mm. So I'm going to say, sure, they'll hit box office numbers, but the, I'm not going to watch the movie more than maybe a couple times. It's not going to be on my top three list of Star Wars movies, probably, just because of who he is and the director that he is. We're going to get a not-terrible film. A safe film. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it'll make box office numbers, but it's not going to... I don't think that besides the fact that because it's a Han Solo film and Han Solo, I don't think it's going to be anybody's favorite Star Wars movie to have ever been released. So I'm hearing you say it's a good move. No, I think no. you're saying bad. No, it's, the two yeah, choices I'm saying, are good move I'm or bad saying, move. I'm saying that they could have made a better move. Oh, I don't know so what it is, I, I think but it, I move. think that they could have. Yeah, I'm going to say bad move. Yeah. Wow. Wow. For the fans. Yeah. So, well, that's what I we are. And I, I, I commend you for that. Yeah. Sorry, Dave. Go ahead. No, no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I have a follow up question for the group. So in light of the discussion we had earlier about apparently they want uh, Ron Howard to have the director's credit. And apparently that means they have to do significant portions of the movie, probably above and beyond the reshoots they already have on calendar. Do we think they're going to hold that Memorial Day release date? Because I don't think they will. A lot of speculation there. I think they really want that May Star Wars right before the summer release. I'm going to say they're going to push hard and get it done. I'm going to say, yes, they will keep the May date. And I will also go on the the good bandwagon here. Uh, final is 4-1. to one. It's a good move. But, Nico, I think that analysis was spot on. I, I love your reasoning. I just think that it's going to be a little bit more than vanilla. Um, that's my hope anyway. Yeah, but I, I, I get fucking it. hope so. But, I mean, if it, and everybody says it. All four of you have said that he's a not 
uh, you know, he's not a bad director. He makes films that are, you know, decent. Right. And yeah. is that the Han Solo movie that we want? Is it, uh, it's a, it was a decent movie. That's a good point. Yeah. I actually really like what Nico's saying right there, and mm. I'm not going to change my vote because I think what they're trying to do is what you guys are saying, how do you want an edgy Star Wars film or what Star Wars is? That's almost like a safe, what we all have grown to know and love. But Nico, I I think I'm what I'm kind of picking up there is the edgy vibe to it, and I think you I think you hit on something there. I think that's I good. Mean, I don't I don't think it needs to be edgy. I mean, look at Rogue One. Every single fucking character died. That's edgy. Tell me man. that's not edgy. That's like edgy that doesn't for mean a Disney film. Oh yep. They God. don't have to have like tits and explosions every other scene but like the all concepts and the themes that are running <laughs> but i mean like, at least once it's... a movie that's all we're asking <laughs> but i mean so, so, i mean can somebody copyright tit explosion somewhere <laughs> <laughs> i think we should copyright l ron howard right now you know what i'm I changing think... i'm changing my vote i want nico to direct this film <laughs> i'm in nico's camp with the l ron uh, gloss for ron howard <laughs> that's genius man perfect oh man well all right that was a lot of fun guys uh thanks a lot for this and uh can only make, time can to tell two, can i make two 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 quick points although i think i forgot what the second one was though god damn it oh no i do know what the second one getting two old sucks huh it really does god damn it i had two two thoughts in my head 30 seconds ago and i forgot one and now i'm sounding like donald trump because i'm completely off su- subject of the two topics i was wanting to bring up and i'm barely hanging on to them god mm. damn it um <laughs> number one Number one, Dave, you asked about Frank Marshall. Why not Frank Marshall? He's actually working on Jurassic World or yeah, Jurassic World Two right now. So he's he's busy producing that. So he probably is not available to do um, directorial duties on a Star Wars film. So that's just an answer to your question of why not Frank Marshall there. Um, second number topic number two that I wanted to bring up real quickly. Something historic is happening. Historic, unprecedented in the history of the Star Wars universe. Um, later on in July, and that is the first time ever that a Star Wars film will be available on a streaming service, Rogue One, coming to Netflix. Yeah, that was announced Woo! today. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. So there you go. My two, pot, my two thoughts to, uh, to uh, close out the show. Nice. I have never, ever, ever streamed a Star Wars film ever once in my life before. <clears throat> Well, a legal streaming service. Yeah, I was going to say, talk to your dad, there, Nico. <laughs> That's okay, Nico. You know why? Because you're my hero, man. You're, you're, you're my hero. You're, you're my, there it is. All right, we're going to end with the Foo Fighters here. That average band. It's, yeah? Whatever. Vanilla, average, Hang on, milk me, toast, whatever you want to call them. Scotty Vance. Let me get my average disc pump going here. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Adios. Hopefully the news slows down. Jesus Christ. Shit. Seriously.